something to say. Hello everybody, how's everyone doing? My name's Charlie, you might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer C.E. Dorset, and I want to start today's podcast by saying thank you to everyone who had such kind words to me after yesterday's show. Yeah, I've, I've been in kind of a blue place lately, and thank you all for taking the time to send me your love and support. It means a lot to me. Um, I, I have to say that, you know, sharing about my own issues with depression and dysphoria are not meant as cries for help or you know once in solicitations for kind words to be said though they are welcome <laughs> um the, re the reason i share is at shore leave this year i talked to a lot of people who noticed that i kind of went radio silent last year and didn't realize what all was going on inside my head and they asked that I please be more open and honest about my state and that was my intention was just to kind of let people know how I'm doing and where I'm at in my own process so thank you to again to everyone who said such wonderfully kind things it it, it really does warm my heart but you know I, I just wanted to make sure people understood, you know, why I brought it up in the first place. And that kind of brings me to the topic that I wanted to talk about with you all today. And this is kind of that dreaded topic that is almost as disliked to be talked about as the Scottish play is to a theater troupe, and that is writer's block. And my feeling, my personal opinion, that writer's block is not something that actually exists. Now, having said that, I, I would... I am not claiming that I have never experienced anything that could be defined as writer's block. I actually went through a couple years, not too long ago, where ideas were not flowing, writing wasn't happening, I was really having a hard time focusing on story and putting story out. But I don't believe that the idiomatic phrase writer's block actually helps in discussing this issue. Now, the reason I feel that way is... The, the term writer's block emerges from the idea that when a writer gets going, we enter a flow. Some of us, like me, when we really get writing, kind of don't feel like we're the ones writing. We feel this kind of, that it's just flowing through us, and we're more of a conduit than an actual creator of the ideas and images that are flowing onto the paper. And yes, I, I really mean through, you know, through us into the keyboard onto the computer screen, though I, I do miss handwriting my, I do, and I've actually thought lately about doing that again, and then using Dragon to read it back in to the books when I'm done, because I really miss that kind of tactile sensation of writing. Like, I, I really do love it, but that's a whole other issue. We'll talk about that later. But, so, when that flow is interrupted, it's very easy to say that we have a block that something has fallen down and damned the flow so that it can't go forward. And sometimes that might be the case that, 
you know, a couple years ago when I was in the pit of my deepest depression, yeah, my, my psyche was literally a wall between me and any creative impulse. I'm not going to say that there aren't things that can do that, but from my experience, what we often term as writer's block is actually an empty bucket that it's not that the flow has been blocked. It's that the flow has dried up and that we, okay. So let me back up on that. So how can the flow dry up? I, I am a firm believer that a lot of what comes out of us in our fiction comes from kind of a reservoir within. And it's not so much that we are regurgitating or reformatting other people's works or other people's fiction. It's that we tap into the creativity of others. So whether that's through reading comic books, listening to music, watching movies, television series, studying, doing research, whatever, whatever it is for you that you find that inspiration time in, that that inspiration, which in the title of this episode, I refer to as the infinite font, um, that inspiration isn't necessarily some kind of ghostly spook activity acting on our psyche. A lot of that inspiration is surrounding ourselves with the right inspirational catalysts that allow the thoughts that we have in our own minds to form and forward. So if you like monster movies, you should sit back and watch monster movies. If you like to read comics, read some comics. If you like to read books, read books. If you like to listen to music, listen to music. But when you are doing that, you have to be very mindful that those activities are actually feeding that well, that they're actually filling that font so that it can go through the river and down the stream and flow into your creativity. If we're not taking steps to actually fill ourselves with that creative energy, and I, I know this is where you want to like step back and go, oh, it's getting hippie. Is there some hippie coming in? Yes, this is going to sound a little hippy-dippy. But whether you think of this as like the Jedi's force, or you think of this as just cognitive energy in your own mind and in your own head, I don't care. <laughs> I'm not going to debate that. I'm not here to debate that. Because I think there's something real there. That as we experience the creativity of others, it fills our creative potential within ourselves. So by trying to surround ourselves with those things that feed and fuel us, it empowers us to be able to make our own creative endeavors. This is one of the reasons why I think a lot of the writers that I know started by writing fan fiction, because we were so into a thing. And for me, my very first, you know, well, I actually started writing, well, when I think back to like when I was a really little kid, and I didn't even know the word fan fiction. I was making Transformers comics and Batman comics. Well, they weren't Batman. No, I did do some Batman comics back then. And Pac-Man comics. Remember the Pac-Man animated series? I think it's up on, on Netflix or Hulu now. So it it's, it's, didn't hold up well. But it, it was something I really loved when I was a little kid. And, you know, I did a lot of G.I. Joe comics and kind of continued those stories and wrote them on my own. And that was because the that overflow kind of kicked in where I was so filled with, say, the Transformers, for example, that I taught myself how to draw with perspective 
because I had to figure out a way to make Optimus Prime or Soundwave or any of the characters that I was drawing look better than they did. I noticed that they looked wrong. I didn't know that they looked flat. I didn't know that they looked two-dimensional. I didn't know what it was, but I knew that they looked wrong. And so I struggled, and that, that was kind of the birth of my own artistic endeavors. You know, I, I then, you know, later started writing Star Trek fan fiction and Forever Night fan fiction. And through, during that time period, I started work on my own original novels. And started writing my own fiction, which those early books that I wrote were kind of a cross between Tolkien and um, Robert E. Howard fan fiction. <laughs> I mean, they had original characters; they took place in an original world, but you can clearly see the marks of those people that I loved. I mean, you can clearly see the Anne McCaffrey, Tolkien, and the Howard, and each and every layer as they were added. You know, my third novel that I wrote really was an homage to H.P. Lovecraft and Anne Rice and for Golden and all of those people that were, I was in Clive Barker, all of those people that I was reading at the time. And those stories came about because of how my internal structures used that input. So as I'm feeding more and more, you know, at that point, I was reading a lot of vampire fiction. I was reading a lot of horror novels. My fiction moved very quickly from the fantasy worlds that I had originally written in into a very kind of gothic fantasy world. And, you know, my friends over the years would get irritated with me once I learned that that was something that happened to me, that whatever I was feeding into my system was in some ways what was coming out. You know, if I was working on a fantasy book or a science fiction book, I really wrestled against, you know, being involved in too many things of a different genre because it would start bleeding in and affecting the way I saw story and the kinds of elements that I wanted to be in the story. And I don't think that a lot of writers see, especially when they're younger, I mean, I know for myself, this wasn't something that re I really realized until my mid-20s, early 30s. And I had started writing my first novel when I was, oh. See, ages and I get weird when you get back, like, before high school ended. I remember my life in, term of, in terms of grades rather than in terms of uh, ages. But I was in seventh grade, whatever age that is when I started writing my first novel. And, you know, it was filled with a lot of the things that I was interested in at the time. It had a lot of science fiction elements. It had a lot of fantasy ele ele elements. It had spaceships. It had dragons. Doesn't this sound like stuff that would come out for me in later years? Um, but, you know, I didn't realize how those things were all interconnected. And so, you know, over the years when it hasn't been something that's actually been blocking my creative flow, some of the health issues I've had over the years, or some of the, you know, psychologically blue moments that I've had over the years where just like getting out of bed is difficult, much less, you know, creating a story. Um, you know, the actual problems that I've faced are not so much with flow. It's not with blockages. It's not that something is ac actively preventing the stories from happening, it's that I kind of 
let all of the story come out, all of that creative energy that I had stored up and pent up inside of me just kind of go out into the work. And I didn't refill the hopper, so there was nothing else there. And for me, this is one of the reasons why I like to listen to music when I write, which is a tricksy subject in and of itself, because I try to have music on in the background that kind of feeds into the mood of what I'm writing. Luckily for me, I have a very broad taste in music and am not limited to just a genre or two. I mean, there pretty much isn't a genre of music that I don't like, at least something that's technically in that genre. Um, So, you know, while having that music on in the background while I'm working and while I'm writing, it's kind of feeding the hopper as I'm pulling out of it. So that font is constantly having this ground spring fed. It's aquifer. This metaphor is really getting overly raw, isn't it? But needless to say, to try to simplify this and get out of the Baroque metaphor I'm building here, you know, I've learned that music is one of the places that I find a lot of my inspiration. And sometimes that's entire books. I mean, Crucify My Love was inspired by a song, as is its follow-up, Sanctify My Sins. Though that actually isn't the title of that song, that's the chorus. That's part of the of that song. We'll talk about that more as November approaches. But So sometimes entire stories are literally inspired by a song. That something about a song will just catch my imagination and just drive me on to tell a specific story. Sometimes it's a collection of songs that will actually fit together in my head in a strange way and be like, what if that was the story? Or what if that was the character? And that's wonderful when that happens. And those stories tend to flow a lot easier than others. Like the story for Crucify My Love, which honestly has very little to do with the actual ex-Japan song that inspired it as far as, you know, what that song is about and what actually happens in the book. I mean, they're not related at all. But it was something about that song, the music, the words, the the vocals, that just, it, it, it made me have to tell that story, and so I did. But even when it's not that straightforward, for me, just having music on in the background is helpful. Finding new music, discovering new music, you know, my discoveries lately of, you know, Aviva in a couple couple months, maybe a year ago. Can't remember when I first discovered Rain, who we talked about earlier this week. But you know, discovering this new music is wonderful. Classic classics are good. Like I don't think I'd be writing the setting I'm working in if it wasn't for the album Heaven and Hell by um, Black Sabbath, because there's a lot of ideas that I've drew from that album. And not necessarily from the words. Like the the there's a wonderful song on that album called Children of the Sea, and it starts with Tony playing this wonderful kind of arpeggiated guitar. And that guitar sound in it it makes images kind of flicker in front of my eyes, and in that way it inspires what I'm I don't know if that makes sense at all. But <laughs> I know some of the writers out there will understand that, some of you who are not writers will go, wow, crazy person. Yeah, I thought I was nuts for a long time, and then I started talking to other writers. While we don't all share the same experiences, a lot a lot do. Um, there's a subset of us that that's kind of how our writing process And so, you know, this is something, if you are an aspiring writer or a creative in any way, shape, or form, and I think we are all, 
creators to some extent, whether that's, you know, via recipes, because, you know, a lot of people love to cook, painters, graphic artists, musicians of any stripe, be that from playing an instrument to singing to rapping, you know, in and anything in between. I think gameplay in some ways is a form of creativity that isn't often expressed in those terms or seen in them, but I think it can and in some very palatable instances should be. But if you're wanting if you're wanting to improve, find that thing that fills you up. And it's probably not just one thing. Like there are movies that like when I'm really, really stuck in a pit like, I can put on Galaxy Quest, and very often, it'll break through all of that crap. <laughs> and I, I don't know why, you know, the Sigourney, I, I call them the Sigourney Weaver movies. They're not not all of them, but, you know, the Alien films and stuff like that, they, they fill up that bucket fairly quickly for me. The Jurassic Park is another one of those movies for me that, while nothing that I've ever written is really like Jurassic Park, there's something about that film that fills me up. You know, I, I, I have a collection of movies that are simply, yeah, I like watching them, but they're also those fonts of inspiration that while they may not be inspiring individual stories or characters or any particular piece of artwork, they help to fill that bucket up within me. So that when I go to create, whether that's drawing a picture or painting or doing some of the digital art or what have you, or telling a story, working on backstory, working on outline, what, however I'm currently working to create something. These are things that help fill me up so that that kind of reservoir of creative energy is there for me to tap into and utilize. And I would encourage you to try to find those things for yourself. You know, what what helps fill you up? What What are those things that fill that reservoir for you? Now, like I said, don't think about it as how to, how much like the story I'm doing is it or anything like that. Like when I'm talking about the movies that help fill me up, the Scooby-Doo movies, the live action Scooby-Doo movies, which I think are, you know, terribly underrated, um, especially the second one. The second one is so good, um, especially as a Scooby-Doo movie. If you look at it as a Scooby-Doo movie, it's it should have been the first movie. That's a whole other story for other times. But those movies, they're not, I don't write Scooby-Doo-like stories. I, I'm not a humorous person. I don't fill my stories with humor. I, I don't do the Unmask the Monster of the Week stories. I don't do anything that's even remotely like Scooby-Doo. But for some reason, those movies help. Those movies exp expand out and fill up that reservoir of creativity within me and help me to get my work done. So... Start experimenting, figuring out where it is, what bands, what artists. And that does change over time. Like, for a very long time, the music of Leaves Eyes really helped a lot when I was writing. And then when they unceremoniously kicked Liv Christine out of the band, like, I can't even stand to listen to their music anymore for reasons, you know? And it's not like I took sides or anything like that. Like, it's just their music... The, the events that followed there tainted the music, and it no longer has that experience, that wonderful, joyful experience that it used to have for me that's gone. So, yeah, that's just some of the stuff that, you know, I've been thinking about here lately. And I thought, you know, since you guys were so kind to reach out to me over some of my downtime and my downfeed, I thought I would try to 
repay you in the only way that I know how, because I'm a boring writer who writes and creates stories and draws and paints and whatnot, and doesn't really like to do much else other than that. I am kind of that person. That's just who I am. So it may or may not help you in your life, but hopefully it does. I think that you'll find a newfound focus and creative energy in you if you try to find out what it is that is your infinite font of creativity. And hopefully it's not that hard to find. You know, for me, it's it's oftentimes things that are just bizarre when you actually look at the work that I'm doing. Like a lot of the writing that I do, I do with like Tupac and 90s gangsta rap, rap on in the background because I like the way they tell stories and the, their storytelling techniques could have filled me with, you know, fill up that bucket for me. You know, it does. I, I don't know why. It's just, you know. I don't know why Rick Ross helps me write, but sometimes Rick Ross is what I need to write. And sometimes I need some Fleetwood Mac and sometimes I need some Kiss and sometimes, you know, I need some glorious hair metal and sometimes I need some deep 80s new wave. Sometimes I need some Afrobeat. And sometimes depending on what I'm working on, one of these genres works better than the others. And that's something that I've kind of played with over the years and learned over the years. And that's my advice for you today. If you're working on any creative endeavor whatever it may be, take some time and find those sources of creativity, those things that just astound you. And if you don't know where to start, I would say check out Rumors by Fleetwood Mac if you're a music person. And probably you've listened to that album, but if, if you're not sure, put on some headphones and listen. I mean, just listen to that album. Don't do anything else. Just listen to that album and see what it does inside of you. And one of the reasons why I pick that as a good place to start is, well, it doesn't have a lot of rap or any other of those genres in there. That album from song to song kind of has a parade of different styles through it. So if listening to the chain that those Lindsay Buckingham portions of the song where he's filled with anger and rage are the ones that actually kind of start filling your bucket, maybe you should start looking at more hard rock heavy metal for what you should listen to. Maybe, maybe a songbird or Oh daddy, does something for you. You should start looking for more softer music or music that's very simple singer-songwriter to help you. If go your own way is your thing, maybe start looking at some disco or something like that, something more light and fluffy. There, there are a lot of different styles presented on that album, and so if you think music might be your thing, that, might, that would be my advice is a good place to start and see where it takes you and really kind of monitor how it makes you inside because that's the trick for this technique to work is you have to see how it makes you feel like back when i did my review of aviva you'll remember me constantly saying how it just filled me up well that's what i'm talking about when i listen to her music it fills me up i can see the creativity in it and her creativity resonates with my creativity and makes my creativity grow so that i can tell further stories and don't think that, you know, this has to be high-minded stuff, you know. If you just want to put on Friends by Marshmallow and listen to it over and over and over again, do it. There are days when I... Oh, this is so embarrassing to say in some ways. Okay. There are days when I just put on 2002 and sing that song over and over and over again, kind of almost on repeat. Like, not on repeat, but every couple songs I'm just like, hey add 2002 back to the playlist and sing along with it because yeah I'm, I'm that person 
I really am. And no, I'm not embarrassed to be a fan of Anne Marie's music. It, it, I do feel a little weird about it because, you know, primarily into like goth and metal and stuff like that. But, you know, sometimes it's that bubblegum that, that I don't know. Sometimes you never know. And uh, um, Cinebo C, definitely check her out. She, she's a really good one to just look up uh, I Owe You Nothing by Cinebo C and see if that is something that floats your boat. It's a song that helps me out a lot. Um, if you're an old school listener to this channel before the music all evaporated off of it when I signed some contracts, um, that song was actually one that I played a lot. Channel back when I could play music on here. It's a great song. Um, but yeah, find, find those things that motivate you. Find those things that give you life. Embrace them, run with them, and never, ever let them. Again, thank you to everybody who said such wonderful things to me over the last couple days. It, it really does mean the world to me to know that you're out there and that you're rooting for me. Um, thank you. Like, I, I, I can't thank you enough because I, I just can't. Thank you. Thank you again. Thank you, thank you, thank you. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with your friends and other people that you think will enjoy it as well. If the podcast app that you're listening to me in allows you to rate the show, please rate it. Um, that really does help out a lot. Um, like or whatever, star rate or whatever the app allows you to do, please, please consider doing that. Um, if you want to support with a donation, if in whatever app you're currently listening to me in, if you look in the show notes, you'll see a link that says support on Anchor. If you click that, you can sign up at the $1, $5, or $10 levels. Any financial support that you can give is amazing and really does help me to stay focused and do the things that I do because while a lot of people try to avoid guilt as much as possible, I actually find that the guilt helps me to focus to actually deliver <laughs> on things that I promise because I don't like breaking my promises. So even when I don't feel like doing things like the last couple days where I really didn't feel like podcasting, I promised I was going to do a podcast today and I pro promised some people that are donating to the podcast um, that I would be doing that. And so I have to do And so here I am. I'm doing that. Um, thank you for that. You decide to go that way. If you want to support everything that I do, you can go over to um, patreon.com and give over there. That supports everything that I do, not just the podcast. If you want to follow me on social media, you can go to projectshadow.com and there you'll find a link to everything that I do. It's all right there for you. Nice and easy, including links to my stories and worlds and everything all right there for your ease use. I feel like I'm forgetting something. I'm probably forgetting something, but for goodness sakes, I don't know if you watch Lindsay Ellis. She did a wonderful thing about these call to actions and the authenticity gap that develops between people and their audiences, which I try not to have between us. I try to be frank and open with you guys. It's a great video. Definitely check that out on YouTube, but it's really been weighing on my head while I've been recording this today and the podcast yesterday. Um, it's really been weighing on, on me thinking about. Anyway, I don't know. If I was supposed to say something else, blah, 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 I said it. Until the next time, have the fun, and thank you for everything. Bye.